Would you stand with us and let's celebrate the new year by worshiping our Lord.
Yes, he did. 
receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. I am chosen, not forsaken. a victory. One of the um, parts in it says, you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. Satan will do anything he can. He will find any little thing to get in there, ruin lives, ruin relationships, ruin what you think of yourself. He will take anything and do evil things with it. But God can take those things and he can turn them around and turn them into good. And when you look back on a situation that you've gone through, you can see where God was and what God was doing in those situations. You don't always see it, but a lot of times you can just look back and see, there's God. This is what he did in this horrible situation that you were in. Maybe you're in a situation like that now. Don't let the enemy win. Let God use it for good. We're in a new year, and we have a new time in our life too. Let those things go. But even though we're in a new year, God's not changed. He is the same today as he was yesterday.
take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good you turn it for good you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good you turn it for good North Point. Amen. Have a seat. Settle in. Welcome to 2023. Yeah, I know. It's fun, right? Hey, uh, before you get too settled in, this is a great time if you would look to the ends of the pew. There are black books. If you would grab those and just let us know that you are here with us this morning and then pass that on to the person next to you and they will do the same. That would be fantastic. If you're watching online this morning, we'd ask you just to do the same thing, but in the app, because that would be weird if you had a black book at home. So uh, just let us know you were here in the app. That's a good, good thing. Um, this is also, uh, I want to mention, if you are new with us this morning, you're a guest, whether you're in person or online, you could text the keyword guest to the phone number 833-CHAT-NCC. That'll just give you a little ping back, kind of tell you a little more about us, kind of next steps, that stuff. So that's if you're a guest. If you're regular, fill out the black book if you're here. If you're online, do the app. Otherwise, text the keyword guest to 833-CHAT-NCC. This is also a good time just to remember about 75% of us are still have reoccurring electronic giving set up, which means we forget about it. And so I just, we just always like to talk about it, that that's something that we're doing that's mindful as we give back from all the Lord has blessed us with on the first day. 
of 2023. But if you don't have that set up and you're looking to give this morning and you want to do that old school, we have boxes at both exits there. You can do that. Or if you go on the app, you can set that up or give one time. There's all kinds of ways to do that as well. Uh, you notice behind me, there is a painting back here. If you were here on our Christmas Eve services, you know how those came into being. If you don't know, you'll want to check out those Christmas Eve services, see how those happen. But we want to get those paintings into your home. We really don't want to just store them in a garage here somewhere. That seems like a really bad idea. And the way that we're doing that is by letting you just kind of silent auction on those. You'll see tables out in the atrium and we'd love to have that happen. Uh, we'll be taking those bids for the next uh, week or so, and then uh, we'll let those winners know, and then uh, we would get those into your home. That's a cool thing. Last thing to mention is our Christmas offering this year is going to Mohi, uh, Mission of Hope International in Africa, and if there's still time for you to be part of that, if that's something you want to do, and you can check that out again on the app, at the kiosk, on the website, all those kinds of things as well. Sound good? Okay, that sounds good. One person, that's, I know, it's the first day of the year. Man, we're starting strong, and I like it. Hey, settle in, get your Bible out, get the app out, go to those notes section, whatever you got with you, we're going to jump into the message. North Point. Whether you're here joining us in person or whether you're joining us online, we're so glad that you guys get to celebrate the new year with us. Last week uh, was Christmas. Rick asked who was up the earliest. This week, I want to ask the question, who went to bed the latest? All right, so anyone, show of hands, uh, one o'clock, anyone up at one o'clock? Got a couple people, all right. So we know, did, did anyone make it to midnight at least? All right, so we got a couple people that made it to midnight. Hey, if the person next to you starts like dozing off, just go give them a little elbow, a little shake of the arm. Uh, we don't want their snoring to disturb the people next to you, so just make sure to wake them up. It is the new year, and what's great about the new year is we have this opportunity to hit this like figurative like reset button. And that's awesome. And a lot of ways that people do this is they set New Year's resolutions. And maybe that's you. Um, I'm not a huge fan of New Year's resolutions, personally. Um, that's because when I was like a sophomore in high school, I decided I was going to run four days every week. That was my New Year's resolution, four days every week. Um, and I did great for about two weeks. And then I gave up. I told myself, I'm never going to set another New Year's resolution because I can never keep them. And that was until last year. Last year, um, I decided that I need to read more. So I decided that I was going to read 12 books in the year. Some of you are thinking, 12? That's nothing. I read that in a week. And others of you are thinking, 12? Yeah, that's a lot of books. How could you read 12 books? I was in that same boat. I thought 12 was a ton of books. I would much rather watch a movie if there's a movie edition of the book. But um, yeah, 12 books... That's one book a month. That seems really doable when you look at it that way. And so um, the time came yesterday at 11.59 p.m. I had read one and a half books. <laughs> one and a half books in the whole year. There's something great about the new year, isn't there? We get to hit that reset button. Um, and... 
maybe, I don't know what makes the new year so intriguing for us. Maybe we had a great 2022 and we just can't wait to see what 2023 has in store for us. Maybe you're just looking forward to something new happening. Maybe you have a vacation planned this year and you're just looking forward to that vacation. Or if we're being 100% honest, honest, maybe 2022 was a really sucky year. It was just really bad. Bad stuff happened, um, whatever that might be in your circumstance. And you just can't wait to get out of 2022, leave that in the past and move on to the new year. I don't know what excites you about the new year, but there's something exciting about it. And a lot of times, the things that are exciting for us are those resolutions that we get to set, those things that we're gonna do to make us physically better, to make us mentally better, to make us emotionally or relationally or spiritually better. Here are the top 10 most common New Year's resolutions. I wanna see if any of these resonate with you because um, in the past, they are all goals that I think I made at one time or another. Not all of them, but most of them. Uh, To exercise more is number one. To lose weight, number two. To get more organized. Maybe you want to organize your office or your house a little bit better so it's not as cluttered. Uh, Number four, to learn a new skill or hobby. Number five, to live life to the fullest, whatever that looks like for you. Maybe six, to save more money or to spend less money might be one of your goals. Number seven, to quit smoking Eight, to spend more time with friends and family. Nine, to travel more. Ten, to read more. Do any of these sound familiar to you? They sounded pretty familiar to me. And on January 1st, we're so set to meet all of these goals. We're, we got these three goals that we chose. We're going to meet all of these. But the sad truth is most people don't make this. According to a journal study by the Clinical Psychology Journal, only about 46% of New Year's resolutions are made. That's less than half. Less than half of people succeed on their New Year's resolutions. And even though we might not be successful on that resolution, we keep going back to it. For someone here, I don't know who, maybe this is like your third year saying, I'm gonna exercise three days a week. You've said that three years in a row and you failed three years. Um, Not to make you feel bad, I was in the same boat when I set New Year's resolutions every year. But there's something so cool about this fresh start. There's something that's gonna change. And in scripture, we see these opportunities to hit this reset button from the book of Genesis in the garden all the way to the book of Revelation when the new heaven and the new earth come. Over the past couple weeks, uh, I'm the student minister here, if we haven't met. Um, I teach your high schoolers and middle schoolers here. We've been walking through the book of Judges, and the book of Judges is full of these opportunities to hit this restart button. Um, If you haven't read the book of Judges, let me tell you, it's extremely graphic. There's a bunch of death and murder and just bad things that happen in the book. This book is uh, following, it's found in the Old Testament, it's following the book of Joshua. And all throughout the book of Joshua, what's happening there is Joshua is going out and he's trying to conquer the Canaanite people. 
The Canaanite people were wicked people, and the Israelite people were supposed to be God's holy people. So what God had Joshua do was to go out and wipe out the Canaanite people. But that's a lot of work for one person and his army. So Joshua wasn't able to complete that all the way, and that's where Judges picks up. It starts with the 12 tribes of Israel uh, starting to conquer the remaining Canaanite people but they didn't complete the task. Following Joshua's death at the ripe old age of 110, we see this in Judges chapter two. It says, and the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and served Baals. And they abandoned the Lord, the God of their fathers who had brought them out of Egypt. They went after the gods, they fought, uh, fell among the gods of the people who were around them and bowed to them. And they provided to the Lord, or, and they provoked the Lord to anger. They abandoned the Lord and served Baals and Ashtaroth so that the anger of the Lord had kindled against Israel. And he gave them over to plunderers who plundered them and sold them into the hands of their surrounding enemies so that they could no longer withstand their enemies. Whenever they marched out, the hand of the Lord was against them for harm. And as the Lord warned, and as the Lord had sworn to them, and they were in terrible distress. See, after not being able to completely wipe out the Canaanite people as God had told them to, they started to live as the Canaanite people were. They were um, trying to avoid the moral corruption. They were trying to avoid the child sacrifices that would happen to Baal. But they weren't able to do that. But their story is also filled with hope. Even then, when the, in the middle of God's anger, he showed them mercy. The next verse says, Then the Lord raised up judges who saved them out of the hand of those who plundered them. Even in the midst of these people who are being disrespectful to God because they're not honoring his commands, he still gives them judges. And throughout the book of Judges, we see 12 different judges helping the Israel, Israelite people out of their oppression. And this term judge is different than the term judge that we have now in English. In English, judges are responsible for providing the jury, the jurors with instructions before coming to deliberations. They are the people that sentence people. They are the ones that give out the consequences for the crime if they're convicted guilty. But in Hebrew, these judges were viewed as deliverers. They were viewed as saviors to a people group. And then they were to work as a catalyst to get people back right with God. So in other words, they would come in, they would help them out. They were like warriors. They would work and fight for the people and then point them back to God. And that's how it worked at first. In the middle of Judges 3, we see God raise up Othaniel as a judge. And as a judge... He handed over King Aram to Othaniel, who had power over him. We see the first judge conquer the oppressed people, or the oppressor. And then verse 11 of chapter 3 says this, So the land had rest for 40 years. There was peace in the land 
for 40 years. Then Nathanael died. And the people of Israel once again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord strengthened Eglon, the king of Moab, against Israel because they had done what was evil in the sight of the Lord. Similar stories happen in the end of chapter 3 with Ehud and chapter 4 with Deborah, where there's pretty good judges here, and Israel remains faithful through the time of their judging, and then the judge dies, and then they fall back into that sin. Next up, we have Gideon, and Gideon's a pretty all right guy to start off. Though he tested God with a fleece at the beginning, he ultimately went along with God. And in chapter 7, he ends up defeating the Midianite people with 300 soldiers after being narrowed down dramatically. But then Gideon got power hungry. He started chasing after the Midian kings. And once he found them and ended up killing them, he ended up going to the rest of Israel and he was going to, or he ended up murdering those other people, other Israelites who wouldn't help him find the king in chapter eight. And then after this, he decides to make an idol out of gold. Gold that he won from all the battles because God helped him in these battles. And he built an idol. And once he died, the Israelite people worshiped that as a God, instead of the actual God who had delivered them. This trend keeps going, and with each judge, it gets a little bit more wicked, a little bit more wicked. Their personalities, although they fight for God, their personalities just aren't there. Their character isn't standing up to God's standards. The last judge we see is Samson. In Judges 13, we see this, behold, you are barren. This is to um, Samson's mom, an angel came to her, said, Behold, you are barren and have not bore children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Therefore, be thankful and drink no wine or strong drink, no other alcohol, and eat nothing unclean. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. No razor shall come upon his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb." And he shall begin to save Israel from the hand of the Philistines. While Samson started out full of potential, it quickly turned downhill. We see Samson throughout the story become promiscuous and violent and arrogant. And perhaps he didn't look too much different than the Philistines, the people that God was telling him to not be like. And in the height of his arrogance in chapter 16, when Delilah was trying to trap Samson and have him killed and turned over to the Philistines, uh, Philistines um, he hit his greatest moment of arrogance. In this moment when she asked, what is your weakness? How can I trap you? How can I turn you over? He gives several false examples, such as binding him with fresh bowstring, binding him with unused rope, weaving his hair into a loom and pinning it there. And for most of us, I think that would trap us. But for Samson, that didn't. All these things were false, and he ended up humiliating Delilah in that moment. And after this humiliation and pleading for the truth, he says, 
take a razor to my head. He finally tells her the truth. And in that moment, Delilah called for the soldiers and Samson said this, I will go out at other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. That command that was given to his mother to never let a razor shave his head, that's what set him apart with God. In his, ignorant, in his ignorance, he got caught up. He was caught. He couldn't escape because God had left him. And even in the midst of his weakest, wickedness, he humbles himself one last time. As he was captured and tied to the pillars of the temple, he prays to God to give me strength one more time. In that moment, God came to him. He ended up pulling down the pillars of the temple and killing himself along with several of the Philistines there. He killed more people in that moment and the temple than he did his whole life. Through Judges, we can see the true wickedness of Israel. Through the remaining five chapters, there's one verse that pops up over and over. It comes up four different times, and it says, in those days, there was no king in Israel. Every man did what was right in their own eyes. People were doing what they saw fit, not what God had commanded them to do. They were continuing to worship Baal, and they were offering up sacrifices to him. There was murder, there was sexual immorality and violence, there was, uh, uh, and all this led to war. If we rewind back to the start of Judges, we see this pattern, this pattern where sin leads to oppression, oppression leads to repentance, repentance leads to deliverance, and then deliverance leads to peace. And then it repeats itself. Oppression, or sin that leads to oppression, oppression that leads to repentance, repentance that leads to deliverance, deliverance that leads to peace. And the cycle starts back over. When Israel leans on their own self-satisfaction and away from what God wants for their lives, it leads to self-destruction. These stories and judges serve as a warning of what happens when we live in self-satisfaction. But even in the midst of these stories, there's this glimmer of hope. If you look at that verse again, in those days, there was no king in Israel. There was no king in Israel. Israel had no king. Sure, they had kings that would lead the nations, they had judges that would deliver them, but ultimately they kept going back to their old ways. In Romans 7, Paul talks about how he does what he does not want to do. Let's check it out. Now, if I do what I don't want to do, I agree with the law. That is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. And I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I, have the, for I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. You see, sin is always going to dwell in us. And that's because we're human. 
We're not God. We're not divine. But thanks to God who sent his son Jesus to die for our sins, we are offered forgiveness and grace and mercy and repentance. We have a king that'll guide us. When we live our lives in our own hands, we're sure to fail. We're sure to dive deeper into suffering and sin. And it's gonna lead to headaches and pains and sufferings when we give ourselves over to the flesh. However, when we give ourselves to God and his spirit comes on us, we'll still face those sufferings. We'll still face pains. I'm not saying that that'll be, get, or we won't get rid of that forever. But there will come a day where that will end. So what does that mean for us today? On January 1st of 2023, I believe there's three things here that we can do as we start off this new year. The first one is to refocus. As you refocus in this new year, you're remembering back what happened throughout the year, all the good, all the bad. Um, You probably had some pretty amazing things happen. Maybe you had a great family trip. Maybe you caught up with an old friend that you went to college with or high school with over lunch, and that was just a highlight of your year. But the truth is, is that we probably did some things that we also regret. Maybe we yelled at our kids and it broke the relationship a little bit. Maybe we didn't succeed in a task at work and it led to a burden there, and now you and your boss aren't on the same grounds. It's easy to get caught up in those moments and let those moments define us. But we can refocus ourselves and find our identity where it is as a child of God rather in those really high moments or those really low moments. Number two, uh, restart. As you refocus, and this specifically works more with those bad times that we had, What are you gonna do differently this year to stop those from happening? What are you gonna do differently to have a different outcome this year? What are we gonna do to avoid falling back into those same traps and snares that we did in the last year? How are you gonna restart? And I think the best thing that we can do, that all of us can do, is to have a right relationship with God, to draw closer to him and make that your goal. Now, I'm not saying that you have to read through your Bible in one whole year in order to do this. I'm not saying you have to pray every single day and those are the resolutions that you're setting for yourself this year because ultimately, while those are good things, I don't think those are the only things. Maybe as you set your goals, you realize you have self-image issues, or you care too much about what other people think. You can set goals that are physical or relational or emotional because all those things tie back into your spirituality and how you are healthy spiritually. And the last thing is revelation. And this is just a fancy word for reveal. And in our context, we're talking about how God reveals himself to you. As you go through this new year and you make these changes, pay attention to how God is working in your life. And then take those moments and share them with others around you so those moments can be encouraging to them as well. Start with your spouse or to your friends, close friends, or to your kids. 
Share with your coworkers about these great things happening. Share with your life group. These are all great places to start. So this new year, what could be different if we put God at the center as we restart? If the goal is to draw us to be people close and the people around us closer to him, today we have the chance to hit that restart button. So the question is, is how are you going to center this new year around Jesus? Let's pray. Lord, we need you. And every year, every season, and every moment, we need your grace to accept the past. We need your strength to face the future. We need your presence for today. And this year, remind us not to build our foundation on anything else. Remind us not to run to any other shelter. Remind us not to call on any other name. This year, remind us to rest in no other comfort, to cherish no other treasure, or to believe in any other gospel. This year, remind us that our hope is found in you. And your glory is our mission, and the best is yet to come. In your name we pray, amen. Just stand and sing with us.
hope you had a happy new year. Go and rest on Jesus and restore in him. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.